0: what up world it's your past first point guard and blazer beat writer mike richmond you're listening to another episode of lockdown blazers part of the lockdown podcast network available wherever you get podcasts today's episode is another edition of the monday mailbag a full episode of listener questions submitted by you answered by me if you want to get involved there's two ways to do it it's actually one way to do it but two different time frames first if you're ever thinking of an NBA or blazers Z question, just tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. I'll see it. I'll put it in my Word doc. We'll answer it on the next week's podcast. It helps if you indicate that it's a Monday mailbag question. Uh, sometimes people just tweet questions at me, and I don't know if they want me to answer it online or if they would like me to wait for the pod. The other way is wait for Monday morning's West Coast time. When I put out a tweet soliciting questions, you respond to that tweet. You'll get it answered on the show. So that's what we're doing today, Monday Mailbag. I recorded it on Mondays, post it usually on Tuesdays, uh, but Tuesday Mailbag just doesn't have the same rhyme to it. Let's get it started, though. This first question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks, What will happen first, Dame playing a playoff game or Dame Dalla putting on a concert? Follow-up. Is Dala more likely to win a Grammy before Dame wins a Larry O.B.? That's a Larry O'Brien trophy, for those of you who don't know, the NBA championship trophy. If I'm interpreting this question correctly, this is a clever way to ask if I think the Blazers will make the playoffs. Maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I, but I, but what I read into this hypothetical is that it's more likely that Dame Dala will have a summer concert before... Dame plays in a playoff game. That would be assuming that Dame does some music over the summer and that the Blazers do not make the playoffs this year. I would say it's more likely... You know what? I'm not, off, I'm not off the boat yet. I'm going to say Dame plays a playoff game before Dame puts on a concert. Um, I'm going to just say we're, we're ruling out what happened Saturday night at NBA All-Star. Uh, we'll say that doesn't count in the, the countdown to a concert. But yeah, I'll say Dame makes... they make the playoffs. I guess I'm predicting that. I don't feel super confident about it. Uh, Your second question, he's much more likely to win a Grammy than a Larry O'Brien trophy. He's like, has real connections in the music industry. Uh, There are more categories to win a Grammy that getting a slice of that championship pie, getting even a little bit of championship equity where you could reasonably win the championship is extremely difficult. Um, I think even a, completely healthy Blazers roster was going to be, um, I didn't think they were a championship level team. I thought they were a team that could get back to the Western Conference Finals and be good, but I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see them as one of the, the three best teams in the NBA, even totally healthy. So, yeah, I'm going to say he much more likely you win a Grammy just because it's incredibly hard to win a Larry O'Brien trophy. I was born in the late 80s. 11 NBA teams have won a championship in my lifetime. It's not very likely that you get a slice of the pie, and usually when you do, you stay there for a while, see Bulls, Spurs, Lakers, and Warriors most recently. So, yeah, I'm going to say a Grammy is much more likely, Matthew. Next question comes from Plenty Money at Paint in PDX on Twitter, who asks, Strictly calendar-wise, if things don't turn around for the Blazers, when is it time to pull the plug on the playoff? Playoff push, i.e., resting, and putting our most polished players out to pasture for the rest of the season. So this is um this is an idea that I think fans have. It's not an idea that Damian Lillard harbors. He does not he is not going to quit and um hang it up. So we're gonna push this date out. The most the earliest calendar-wise, I can see this realistically happening is April 1st. The Blazers would have six games left in the regular season then, if they're you know, five back with six left. I don't think they really they truly rest until they're mathematically eliminated. But it is I mean the star player, the franchise is not wired that way. He's just not wired that way. He is he is Criminally optimistic. He always believes they have a chance, and he has played at a level this year to give them a chance. Very briefly in stretches, he has said heading into this break that he's going to bring that level back. That doesn't sound like someone who's considering shutting it down. He's considering recovering from this groin injury and going to average forty-five and ten then for the rest of the season. So calendar-wise, I think the the earliest they would consider it is April first, but I think the earliest they will consider it is. After game 82, maybe in the third quarter of game 82, they'll say, you know what? Let's let Jalen Horde get a few minutes. All right. Next question comes from CJ at friggin' winning who asks, you recently said that Dame is the best blazer of all time. What are your parameters to grade somebody as an all time great of their respective team? In my mind, the overall GPA is offense, defense, and team success. A plus for offense, F for defense, C plus for team success for Dame. Fair. Okay. I, CJ, I like, I like where you're headed with this. I like where you're headed with this, but I think you are, con- I think you're not giving Dame a fair enough curve on Blazers' relative team success. Getting the Blazers to the Western Conference finals for the first time in 20 years kind of bumps him a-, a lot ahead of a lot of people in line. He's only in, he's only really in competition with Drexler at this point. I've said that Bill Walton is the best player the Blazers have ever had because no other player has reached his peak. The peak that he reached, no other player. But he's not in the conversation. Wasn't around the team long enough. um, Isn't as he's more connected now than he was for 20 years. But he he just didn't align with the team. He's not the Blazers' greatest player, even if he's the greatest player the Blazers have had. So really, it's just Dame versus Drexler. And if you're looking at team success, Drexler had the Blazers as, you know, the best team in the West for four seasons, basically, reaching two NBA finals. That might be the bar that Dame has to clear, but I would also argue that that was a slightly different era. It was the end of that showtime era for the Lakers, um, and before the sort of void was filled by other Western Conference teams, there was a long time when the West was relatively flat before 1997. The Sonics and Jazz and Rockets and Blazers were all sort of right there. This This is kind of back where we are now this season, maybe where there's four pretty darn good teams, although I would argue that there's basically two. So I wouldn't say C-plus for team success. I'd probably bump that up to about a B. Um, defense as an F. I, I think early in the, his career, that was probably fair F for defense. Um, I'd probably put him at like a D-plus now. He's He doesn't rate super highly on the defensive metrics, but if you just watch him play, it's a lot of – What killed him early in the year, early in his career, was Dame was just, he he didn't think defense very well. So he would die on screens because he would take a stupid route or he would um, just get lost kind of wandering around. Uh, He's really sharpened up sort of that mental side of his game and the effort side of his game. He has nights where he just doesn't play defense particularly hard because he's asked to do so, 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 so much on offense that it makes sense. Um, But, yeah, he's not an F defender at this point. He's not even the worst defender in the backcourt on his own team. A-plus for offense. I'd probably bump that down a little bit. Probably just flat A for offense. Um, He's been an A-plus for the last six weeks, though. Oh, boy. So, yeah, A, D-plus, B. So, yeah, I think he's – listen, I don't think he's the best blazer of all time now, but I think there's no way when Dame retires that he won't be the best blazer of all time, CJ. I think he's just – His arc is headed there. Um, Even if he doesn't get that team success that Drexler had, he's going to have every single record. He's going to have all this longevity. And right now, he's the best point guard in the NBA. Uh, I think... The closest, you know, Drexler was the second best point guard and the guy or second best shooting guard in the league. And the guy ahead of him is the generational all time greatest player. You know, if Dame is the second best point guard for a decade behind Steph Curry, we'll look back fondly as we get further away and say, man, he was really good. And if he and if there wasn't a Steph Curry, you'd say this is an all time great, obviously jumping off the page in front of you. We'll get there. All right. Second segment, more of your questions. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Theragun. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's where Theragun comes in. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power so you can feel better naturally and treat your pain and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash lockdown for a limited time. My listeners, listeners of Lockdown Blazers, that's you get a free charging stand with their purchase. That's a $79 value. So here's what you do go to theragun.com slash lockdown, theragun.com. Slash locked on. All right, still Mailbag Monday. We're going to keep it rolling in segment two with more of your questions. This first one comes from HR. That's rcharfx on Twitter who asks, is there a chance Zach Collins comes off the bench and plays the backup four and five next season? If Melo comes back, I've always assumed Zach would be playing more at center. In your opinion, is Zach, be- is Zach better suited to play the five or four? And do you see Nurk and Z playing well together next season? This is probably my biggest issue with, not issue, one of my major concerns with the Blazers is that Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic, they kind of have to be able to play together. ...for this core of the Blazers to reach its peak... Uh, you would assume the Blazers will re-sign Zach. It's what they do to their draft picks. Really, they really like him. They think he can be a force in the, in the league. They've obviously got Nurk locked up for a couple more seasons on a really friendly deal. And the plan is to play them together. The plan was to play Zach at four this year and let him play next to Son Whiteside. And he lasted two and a half games before suffering uh, what could potentially be a season-ending injury, at least an injury that's going to cost him 65-plus games. But We're nearly three full seasons into Zach Collins' NBA career, and he's played 123 total minutes next to Yusuf Nurkic. The tandem just hasn't played very much together. And in a lot of ways, if they can't play together, the Blazers have to figure out another solution. To answer your first question, Zach Collins is a center. When I watch him play, he's a center. Can he play four? Sure. Will the Blazers be a better defensive team with two bigs on the court? Absolutely. But... Taking Collins away from the rim, especially offensively, limits his offensive rebound production. It asks him maybe to become a spot-up shooter, something the Blazers think he can be, but it kind of limits what makes him special, would be an inside-outside threat, if he has to be a spacer playing along Yusuf Nurkic. Obviously, figuring out where those two play together is why you'd want them to have more than 123 minutes, three years into the experiment. And as long as I'm answering your questions in reverse order, is there a chance Zach comes off the bench and plays backup four and five if Melo comes back? I don't see that happening. I think the Blazers are very committed to Zach Collins as a starter, and part of bringing Carmelo Anthony back would be understanding a reduced role. Now, if the Blazers really think Melo is valuable or they can't get a reasonable player at his production level for the same price maybe they work something out where Zach does come off the bench but Zach's going to play a much larger role he's 22 years old he's a way better defender Uh, he's not as good of a one-on-one scorer obviously as Carmelo Anthony but he might just be a more efficient scorer at this point in his career we'll have to see the Blazers are committed to Collins he's their guy the way they make decisions usually is the their first guy they give money to is the guy who who they roll with. Zach is the person that they've committed to. They traded up for him in the draft. He was a big target. I see him as their starting his their starting power forward on day 1 of next season and his fit with Yusuf Nurkic will be the real question that we might have to wait till October of next year to truly answer. All right, next question comes from Justin Osland at Justin Osland 7 on Twitter who asks, "Say Portland will look to trade CJ McCollum. What sort of skill set would you look for to place next to Dame and is there a realistic player out there who fits the bill?" So, here's what I'd look for. I'd look for size uh because I think the big criticism of the Dame and CJ pairing is that two guards under 6 foot 5 in this league just struggled enough defensively you want to get bigger, but Also, you would need to find someone who could score. What CJ McCollum does really well is go get buckets. It's a coveted skill in the league. There's just not too many guys who can put up 20 a night. McCollum doesn't do a lot else, and I can understand the criticism of him there. I've been one of those people critical of him this season for sure, no doubt about it, but replacing that production in a simple trade is relatively difficult, particularly when you look at the, the rest of the Blazers roster. I guess maybe there was a point when you thought Anthony Simons was going to step in and easily fill that role, but he looks like he's further away maybe than the team and many in the fan base thought. So what would I look for? Another giant contract, because I think c j s contract isn't super appealing on the trade market um he's he's kind of a finished product he's twenty eight years old and he's making a ton of money as a max player and he's probably not a franchise changer although he's a very good basketball player um he's you know i i don't think he's capable of being the number one on a very good team. I think he's best suited to be a really high level three or like we saw in the playoffs last year as that ace two on a team that had a lot of options that had real real depth i don't like playing trade machine maybe as much as y'all do and uh that's fine i'll do it a little bit but uh chasing down trades is not my favorite way to think about the league so I'm glad you asked about fit first so I could describe the type of player I'd be after. But I still play trade machine because I'm a nice guy, Justin. Don't forget it. So here is my realistic trade. Tobias Harris and Matisse Thybul of the Philadelphia 76ers in exchange for CJ McCollum and Nazir Little. I'm not sure Philly would make that trade. But Tobias Harris is the is in year one of a five-year max deal. Um, he is much younger than CJ McCollum. He's he might have also plateaued a little bit, but he fits some of the issues that the Blazers have. He could play a little bit of three. He's probably best suited as a four. I, I just call him straight up a power forward, even though he's, he might play a little bit of small forward. Uh, Matisse Thibault would be a nice throw and a really versatile defensive wing. Uh, he's better than, like a lot better than Azir Little right now. So uh, I can see why Philly would balk at this trade, but that's the best one I could come up with. If you don't like it, tweet at me and tell me why. Next question comes from Jay Smoof. At Juicy moose 3424 on Twitter who asks, Maybe it's just me, but seems like Nazir Little's energy is missed on the bench unit. Any update on his timeline to return? Uh, if you've been following this team, they're not really giving formal updates on injuries. That is not a thing that they're interested in doing. And frankly, they're allowed to uh, hold off on that. That's the way the league works. Uh, I would assume we will see Nazir Little relatively soon uh you know he was ruled out for all those games he wasn't he was just out so um i think the the blazers knew that he was that that ankle injury was a little more severe but with the week off i wouldn't be surprised if he is available game 1 friday night against new orleans in fact i expect him to be ready um without just This is total speculation, but I would expect him to be ready with as much time as he's had off. If not, uh, the Blazers should be more, in my opinion, more clear about what his timeline might be like because a guy missing three and a half weeks with an ankle after spraining his ankle is a long time. And to your first point, yeah, they miss his energy off the bench. They miss any usable forward. Any forward who can play six or eight good NBA minutes they need. Uh, Nazir Little often has that in him. Next question comes from Andy Patton at Andy Patton C-S-E-A on Twitter, who asks, is Paul Gasol still around the team? And if so, does he appear to have some kind of mentoring, coaching role? If not, any idea what he's up to. Andy, on the November 21st episode of this very podcast, the lead segment was about Paul Gasol leaving the Blazers. He's gone, baby. So he... Never recovered from that foot surgery. Believe it or not, a 39-year-old coming off foot surgery. Um, It's not easy for your body to heal. It happens. So, Pau couldn't get back on the court. Chose to go back to Spain to rehab. He's got his eye on playing in the Summer Olympics with Spain in Tokyo. He... May or may not be ready. I believe he told Adrian Wojnarowski of the ESPN that he's not 100% sure his foot will even be ready then. That would be more than a year after the surgery. It gives you a sense of how bad it was. Uh, Just for details, so you don't have to go listen back to that November 21st episode, Blazers built into his contract that he he could be waived, and it would become non-guaranteed for health reasons if he was not available. So, yeah, Pal's not around the team. He's not a coach or a mentor. He is a essentially retired NBA player living back in Spain. All right, coming back in the third segment, closing the show with more of your questions. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. I'm still a pass-first point guard, and it's still Monday. Mailbag, closing out the show with more of your questions. This next one comes from JD, at JDWinters81 on Twitter, who asks, Headed to 2000s night. Any word on who to expect? B-Roy, Travis Outlaw, Joel Prisbilla, Martel Webster? Um, I know that Brandon Roy was invited. And judging by what we read in... Jason Quick's, what we read, what I read, and maybe you should read too if you haven't, uh, in Jason Quick's excellent Catching Up with Brandon Roy piece in The Athletic. uh, B-Roy is still debating whether he will come, also whether the basketball team he coaches in Seattle will be in the playoffs and whether it will line up. He doesn't know if it will fit his schedule. What I will say, though, is uh, just judging by what Quick wrote, I think it would make more sense for B-Roy to come back on a night where it's not all about him. 2000s night would be a nice way to do it. It will automatically be about him the moment he steps on the court, but um having a few of his other players from that era would help him kind of blend into the background, which my read on it is what he would prefer over the Brandon Roy back, everyone go nuts, uh, get all this attention type of experience that he could have otherwise. Travis Outlaw, I believe, lives in Oregon. I believe he lives in in suburban Portland or the Portland metro area. So he, I'm sure the Blazers reached out to him. He could come. Joel Prisbilla, I have not heard of. Martel Webster lives in the Northwest. He's certainly um, – I've heard of Joel Prusbilla. I just haven't heard. I don't know if they've reached out and invited him. I, I love Joel. Um, Martel Webster lives in the uh, Pacific Northwest, lives in Seattle. I believe he has, still has a house in Portland. Uh, I, I've seen him around. Uh, but – I don't know if they've been, if they've reached out to him either. Um, that's that's not really an answer. I don't know who to expect. I know that Brandon Roy is a real possibility, J.D. I wish I had more for you, but in the three hours since you asked this question, I pressed record in this podcast, I really didn't track it down. My bad, J.D. All right, our next question comes from Ken Libby, at Ken M. Libby on Twitter, who asks, this is a touch removed from the actual game of basketball. Who are some of the important roles, people, that most fans wouldn't know about? I'm thinking something like trainers, assistant coaches, or even lesser-known folks doing work behind the scenes. Uh, do fans know that Hersey Hawkins works for the team? Hawk is the uh, player programs director for the Blazers and goes on road trips, is at every home game. Um, yeah, he's a behind-the-scenes guy that maybe you don't know about. I can't really speak to uh, Hawk's impact on the team necessarily, but he's worked for the Blazers for over a decade, I believe. I guess if I had to pick someone who maybe you don't know, who I would say is has a real impact, I would go with Logan Sullivan. Uh, his official title is physical therapist and sports scientist, but he works for the health and performance department under Jess Ellis. Uh, Logan was one of the guys this summer while Nurk was rehabbing back home and in other parts of Europe, but mostly back home in Bosnia that Logan went and visited with him and spent some time with Nurk there, uh, checked up on him physically, checked up on him mentally, just hung out with him a little bit the kind of like support staff stuff that you don't see. So I would say for maybe someone you don't know about, uh, Logan Sullivan is a name that is an important part of what the Blazers do behind the scenes that the medical staff in general, or the health and performance staff as they go by in the team parlance is incredibly important to what the Blazers do. And I think, uh, you know, you may know names like Jesse Ellis. You may have seen guys like Ben Kenyon and Todd Forsier behind the bench. I think a lot of fans know Jonathan Yim, the Blazers' uh, video assistant who was in that very serious car accident and then returned, uh, rejoined the team, famous for wearing bow ties on Wednesday night. Shout out to Yim. Um, but, yeah, Logan Sullivan. There's a name you don't know that has, uh, has a real impact on the Blazers' day-to-day. All right, one last question to close out the show. This one comes from Logan Gillis. Logan asks – what do you think the Blazers' record would be right now if Trevor Ariza had been on the team from the beginning of the season instead of Kent Bazemore? Okay, the Blazers are 6-5 with Trevor Reza. That is a 5-4-5 five, five win percentage. That would be the equivalent of being 30-26 right now as opposed to 25-31. However, I think that's too easy to say they're they're 6-5 and five with Ariza. Here's what it translates to. Um, I, I was able to do the math relatively quickly. But I'll say, just because there's some squishiness in an 11-game sample, that they're 28-28 with Trevor Ariza. That would be, if you expect them to go 30-26 and 26, exactly, we're going to say they, they dropped two that they, that they could have won otherwise. Ariza definitely helps. Uh, Kent Bazemore was too small to play on the wing. Um, I don't think the Blazers always envisioned him playing the three. I think they thought that Rodney Hood would soak up almost all of those minutes against starter level threes. And then Bazemore would play in these like small guard second units with Damon CJ or as a two and they'd figure it out and, and, and he wouldn't start against small forwards. But with the injuries, Bazemore was totally out of position. Um He wasn't very good. Like I said, some of it's no fault of his own. Some of it was that he just couldn't make shots. He just, he, he, Shot a bunch of bricks. He made bad decisions. He fouled too much. He just didn't work out. Ariza helps. Uh, his decision-making has been way better. Uh, he's shot the ball much better in Portland than he did in Sacramento. His length is a real boost to them on defense. Um, just sort of his veteran savvy, his his just ability to not do dumb stuff has really been a big boost to them but even then the blazers roster has real flaws um Ariza's 35 there's there's reason to believe that he's probably played close to his peak with the blazers and that he'll regress a little bit there's also reason to believe that this is who this is who he is and he'll this is kind of he'll flatten out of this really quality level of play, but even flattening out of this quality level of play doesn't strike me as a season-changing acquisition. It stri- strikes me more as an obvious upgrade to a team that needed one. So yeah, I'll say my weird prediction, you know I love these weird hypotheticals, 28-28, and 28, which would put them still two games back of the Grizzlies heading for the eighth seed with 26 games left in the regular season. They'd still be on the outside of the playoffs heading coming out of the All-Star break. That's going to do it for this episode of Monday Mailbag. I love these episodes. I love you all for contributing, for participating. If you would like to do that, just tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, or look for the tweet Monday morning specific time when I put out a request for questions. You respond there or just let me know during the week. Say this is a question for Mailbag Monday or a question for the podcast. You, you know how to communicate. Let me know. I'll save it. I'll answer it on the show. We'll keep it rolling. Tell your friends about this podcast. If they're looking for it, they can find it with they already get podcast. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. You name it. We're on there. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.